Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt-Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. And today we're going to be talking about a problem that crops up pretty often in business, no growth or slow growth in your business. Yeah, this is a huge problem for leaders. You know, maybe you've had that experience of thinking, well, I don't really want to coast. I mean, after all, you probably want to accomplish something. Um, and you probably see a really exciting future for your company. You've gotten your team on board, you think, and you've tried to get them fired up. But then it's crickets, right? No fire, no momentum, and worst of all, no growth. So you're probably thinking, what in the world is going on? How can I figure out what is wrong in my ability to drive these results and growth in my business? Well, today we're going to solve that problem by showing you the one thing that's missing from the equation and how to get it. And we're talking about vision. But before we get into that, we got to bring Larry on the show because Larry's the guy that guides us through the conversation. The guy. The guy. Hey, I, I keep saying this, guys. I feel like I keep saying this, but a few weeks ago, you said Larry's the man. Can we get that? Language We're trying down, to be like right? cool and a little more casual. <laughs> yeah, okay. and, and you're a little elevated. The guy is better than the man. Okay, well, and we should make it the dude, like <laughs> the Big Lebowski. Yes. Either way, whatever you want to call me, I am really happy to be here. And I love this topic. You know, I've heard Vision Talk uh, for a long time. And I can almost hear a lot of leaders saying, I think I probably would have said when I was leading an organization, okay, but I have a vision. And, you know, I'm still not seeing the growth I want. So maybe the problem isn't vision. Maybe it's something else. I, I think that's easy to, to think, you know, but what I would have asked you had I been back there is, well, let me see your vision, right? Because some people think they have a vision. They have a vague idea of where the whole thing's going, but very few leaders have a written vision. And even those that do, don't usually have what we call a vision script, something that's much more built out than that. Well, the other thing is oftentimes vision is talked about like kind of its own separate aspirational ethereal thing, you know, like you should just do it because it's the right thing to do. You know, as a leader, you should have a vision. The truth is, is that there is an intimate connection between vision and results. And if for no other reason than that, you have got to have a clear, compelling vision if you want to drive major exponential results in your business. Vision drives everything. Right? I mean, it's a driving force behind recruiting and retaining a skilled, motivated team. It's a driving force behind product creation and pruning, by the way, and marketing strategy and customer acquisition. If you've got a clear, inspiring, practical vision, you should see growth. So, what I hear you telling me is that if I'm not seeing growth one way or another, it's going to trace back to vision. I think so. And it's certainly a great place to start because everything else, every other problem that you could have is probably rooted there anyway. That's right. And I think a lot of people jump to strategy, but without a vision, strategy doesn't matter. The vision is the what, the strategy is the how. You've got to get clear on the what first before the how is even relevant. Well, today we're going to talk about how to create that vision that will drive results in your business. And of course, this is the subject of your book that's coming up, Michael, The Vision Driven Leader, which will be out at the end of this month. Yeah, I couldn't be more excited about this book. And I probably say this about every book I publish, but I'm really excited about this book. I think this is the most important book I've written because like I said, vision drives everything. And every problem, every problem in your organization, you've got to go back to vision as sort of the first building block if you're going to correct it. Vision is the way that we initiate change. So my dream for the book is that millions 
of leaders everywhere would suddenly find that they can actually do the vision thing. Most people have never been taught how to create a vision. Most people think that it's something that's the domain of, you know, those special charismatic people, people like Steve Jobs or John F. Kennedy or Martin Luther King Jr. or somebody that's just got that that thing, you know, that X factor that gets them to create vision. But my premise in the book is that anybody with the right format, with the right instruction can create a vision. And more importantly, it's incumbent upon you to do that because you cannot lead effectively without vision. Well, we're going to reveal on this podcast right here today, three vision secrets. And these are elements of a vision that uh, you talk about in the book. This is not nearly the whole system for creating a vision, but that's in much more detail in the book itself. But we want to get at these three vision secrets. So let's get into them. Vision secret number one is that you need to talk about what isn't, not what is. You know, when you're creating a vision, your perspective is that you're standing in the future and you're describing what you see. You're not looking around you in the present tense and describing what you see. That's a very, very different thing. And, um, you know, when we're in the present, our our attention is really limited. We're focused on constraints. And those things are kind of driving what we think is possible. So our current staffing, our current products, our current customers and market share. That's a recipe, if you're trying to create vision from the, from the present, of creating incremental change. And, you know, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with incremental change. But that's not really what we're talking about when we talk about vision. We're talking about something much bigger than that. The other problem is it's really hard to get people aligned around incremental change because it's just not that exciting. It's frankly boring. Exactly. <laughs> and, and so that makes it really difficult to accomplish goals and accomplish big objectives if they're they're just kind of a little bit better than they were last year or last month. It's, it's tough to get people on board for that. One thing about standing in the future and describing what isn't is all of a sudden you're standing in the realm of possibility. Mm -hmm. Not what is, but what might be possible. And in that realm, there really aren't any constraints. The only constraints you bring into the future are the ones you drag from the present. So if you can free yourself up from those, stand in the future, and begin to think, suspend disbelief about how it's going to happen, but to begin to articulate what it is you see, that's really where you get vision. That's where you get excitement. That's what drives businesses forward and creates the kind of growth that we're talking about today. You know, I love the story that's in the book uh, about the creation of Uber. And yeah. uh, that's fascinating. You mind if I tell that real No, quick? please. Well, there's nothing new about a taxi cab. They've been around since, literally, since the automobile was invented. Uh, but one night in Paris, Garrett Camp and Travis Kalanick couldn't get a cab. And so instead of trying to think of ways to put more cabs on the street, they said, well, what if there's a way to get a ride without a cab just by hailing it on your phone? And that that thought was the genesis of Uber. That's thinking about what isn't and not what is. And, and the funny thing about it is, talk about not incremental change, but exponential change. Uber is now the largest ground transportation company in the world, and they don't own a single car. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there are I'm sure we come up with other examples of that, uh, streaming services like Pandora and Spotify or Airbnb for booking your room or the iPhone. Yeah, hold your thought on the iPhone, Larry, because we're going to come back to that in just a minute. Okay. So you got to begin asking yourself the right questions, not what could we accomplish with this team, but what team do we need to achieve our vision? Totally two different questions. 
not what leverage are we getting from these products, but what products do we need to create the impact or the leverage that we want to have? Not what customers are we now reaching? By the way, that's a legitimate question. But the vision question is what vision will attract and enroll the customers we want to serve? Well, you know, that first question, Larry, the um, what can we accomplish with this team question, that being kind of the negative present oriented question, that is so often where we start. We think, what res- what resources do we have? Right. And with those resources, what can we accomplish? As though and, it were fixed. As though it were fixed. And dad, you always say resources follow vision. And the truth is, if your vision's big enough, you will be able to attract more resources. If you start with how am I going to accomplish that, the strategy part, which is really that question question, you're never going to achieve your real potential as a business or an individual. Well, a great example from the book, The Vision Driven Leader, is the one I tell in the very first chapter about JFK. So he stood up before a joint session of Congress and he, he, he had this vision and he put this challenge out there to put a man on the moon by the end of the decade, right? So people laughed at him. People thought that was ridiculous. In fact, even NASA said it wasn't possible. Why? Because they didn't see a path to the vision. But what happened was the vision forced them to think in new ways. The vision forced innovation. And all that happened in less than 10 years. That vision was accomplished in less than the time frame that uh, he set forth. Sadly, he wasn't around to see it, but it happened. I love that story. You know, this takes me back to doing the SWOT analysis so many times. We do that in business. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And, you know, it seemed like whenever we would go through a SWOT analysis, we'd wind up just doing the same thing, maybe working harder. Mm-hmm. Because we're starting with what we already have mm-hmm. and who we already are. That's a good insight. I, I think that's a really good insight. I mean, I we use SWOT analysis in a strategic planning process that we use, but it comes after the vision part of it. So we always start with vision. When we do strategic planning, we start with a review of our vision. Vision informs everything. You know, that's the destination. Everything has to come in alignment behind vision. If you don't have a vision, you know, you're kind of, stuck in the present and like Megan was saying, incremental change uh, on the present. Well, and a SWOT analysis is is really useful to tell you what's going to be in the way or going to help you achieve your vision. There you go. That's what it, the purpose of it is. It's It's not to tell you how big you can think and what you might be able to accomplish. Well, in fact, the best way to ask the SWOT analysis question is in light of the vision. You know, in light of this vision, what are the strengths What are the weaknesses? What are the opportunities and the threats that we bring to the table? Those are only meaningful if you're viewing them in light of the vision. If you don't have a vision, you're just kind of, you know, spitballing it. It's a technical term. Well, we're saying that you can grow your business with a compelling vision. And to create that, you need to know these three secrets. And vision secret one, talk about what isn't not what is. Let's go to vision secret two, make it exponential, not incremental. You know, when you focus on what is, you just get incremental change, like we talked about a minute ago. For example, a 3% improvement in gas mileage or a telephone with a longer cord, or which seems really irrelevant now. <laughs> but I remember standing <laughs> in the kitchen the cord? and trying to walk into the living room with a cord and, you know, longer was better. Do you remember when it was a breakthrough just to have the wireless phone in your home? Not oh, a mobile yeah. phone, just a wireless right. phone. I was right. like, whoa. <laughs> um, but vision ignites the possibility of exponential change for the better. So that enables you to create momentum. And momentum is really what gets you into the future. It fires your team up. I mean, 
After all, who wants to get out of bed to see a 1% gain over last year? I mean, that is super snoozeville. <laughs> well, it's particularly important for millennials. Right. Because millennials want something that gives meaning to their life. They want to know right. that they're making a difference, that they're making an impact on the world. And by the way, not just millennials. Honestly, everybody. Millennials are just more honest. Need. It is. Yeah. Well, that kind of momentum really sets the stage for creating breakthrough products. And you said earlier that you were going to talk about the iPhone. So I think this is a perfect opportunity. Yeah. So I think the iPhone is a great example of this. You know, mobile phones always had one feature in common back in the day, whether it was a Blackberry or it was a flip phone or whatever. A trio. You remember the trio? Oh, my gosh. I had a lot of trios. Taking me back. (laughs) Well, they all had a keyboard and an incremental change would have been a better keyboard. But Steve Jobs wanted a revolutionary change. And as he so often did, you know, he was thinking outside of the box, thinking differently. So in 2007, he introduced the iPhone. No keyboard, no stylus. In fact, he said, you've got the perfect stylus. It's your finger. (laughs) Well, that got people pumped up because it was so out of the box. It was so exponential. It was not incremental at all. And everybody laughed. Do you guys remember this? I mean, every major tech company said, this is doomed to failure. I've got the exact quotes in the book. But I remember the head of Microsoft, Steve Ballmer at the time, you know, he just laughed at it. He laughed on on TV. He was doing some interview. I can't remember what show it was, some big interview show. And he said, you know, I give it a year. And oh my gosh, Microsoft failed in mobile telephones and iPhone, you know, it's the biggest part of their business right now. Yeah, so if we were applying... Steve Jobs kind of philosophy to our own businesses or our own organizations, we might ask questions like this. What's the product you would create if you had no constraints? I love that question. So stand in the future in the realm of possibility. Don't imagine current constraints. Don't even bind yourself by the current technology that's available. You know, Steve Jobs didn't. John F. Kennedy didn't. Here's another question. What do you actually want to do for people? You know, where is there friction that you can take out of the process and make it easier or faster for people? What's the big problem everyone else is afraid to tackle? Those are great questions. I mean, they're they're worthy of our time and attention because we're so stuck in how do, how are we going to do that or what can we accomplish that we don't ask those big questions. And that's where the breakthroughs come from, um, that kind of exponential thinking. And, you know, that's also what helps you set your strategy. When you're chasing one big thing instead of, you know, a bunch of small things, you're able to say no to the small things. They're not worthy of your time and attention. Um, And a big vision aligns your team. Not only does it get them excited, but it it gives them the clarity they need to point their energy behind one point. And that is a powerful force. It also makes decision-making so much easier. Mm -hmm. I think one of the hardest things that leaders face is decision fatigue and decision-making. The decisions get harder, more complex, with higher stakes, the more successful you become. But a clear vision really acts as a filter and a compass to make sure you're on the right track. You know, this whole thing, this whole second secret about making it exponential, not incremental, is what led us to the concept of the double win. You know, the idea that you don't have to sacrifice your personal well-being to succeed at work. And most people are out there teaching it like it's either or. You can have one, you can't have both. So just, you know, pick the one you want. And we said, well, what if there's a third way? What if there was a way that we could both win at work and succeed at life? What would have to be true? What would have to be uh, possible for that to happen? And honestly, I think we've done a tremendous job of doing that. You know, I've, I've said before, probably on this show, I mean, last year we grew very much, you know, like 62%. In addition to that, it took 162 days off. 
And those are like two things don't go together. When I tell leaders that, that that's possible, or even our business accelerator clients that experience that kind of very kind of similar growth and shave an average of 11 hours off their work week, it's like, well, those two things don't fit together. Well, they do if you have an exponential vision, not an incremental one. So vision secret number one, talk about what isn't, not what is. Vision secret number two, Make it exponential, not incremental. So let's move to vision secret number three. Make it risky, not delusional. This is an important point because we talk a lot about setting goals in your discomfort zone. And a healthy level of risk is really good for your business. It drives innovation and creative thinking and all of those things. Um, it also gets people excited. You know, if there's no challenge, it's just not not fun to think about getting on board. It's not fun to think about getting creative. Um, nobody is going to get pumped about doing that same old thing that we did last year. It's also inspiring. You know, when people sense that you are confidently seeing the future, that you are seeing something, that there's a gap between where they are and something that they want. I mean, that gets everybody excited. It does. How are we going to get there? What would that look like? What would that make possible? So it's really invigorating for your team. In contrast, business as usual thinking really leads to a slow death in your company. You know, it's not inspiring. It's not engaging. It's not going to be good for retention. It's not going to be good for innovation and creativity. You don't want to comment on a word you said there, which is engagement. And, you know, this is like the holy grail of most uh, business thinking today is how do we get more employee engagement? Because so few employees are really engaged in their work. But one of the ways that you do it is by making it risky, making it exciting. And again, not delusional, but something that's out of the box, something that we haven't done before, something we're not even sure how to do, but something if we did, it would be a breakthrough result. That's what we're really after. That's what gets your team on board. That's also what attracts customers. You know, customers are not going to get excited about an incremental result. You know, when uh, your favorite software company pushes out an incremental upgrade, <laughs> you just kind of like, I upgraded for that, big yawn. Right. But when there's something that really changes the game, something that makes it easier for you to do what you need to do, that's when you get excited when you talk about it. And that's what creates word of mouth. So this has a big impact not only in your company, but outside of your company. So Megan, what does it look like when you have a, a risky vision versus a delusional vision? Maybe some people have a hard time sorting that out. Yeah. Well, I think you have to kind of know yourself because certain personalities are going to be prone to true delusion and other people are maybe less comfortable with taking risk and it may feel really uncomfortable, maybe almost delusional and it's not, you know, so you have to kind of use self-awareness in this process. But you can get stupid really fast. <laughs> you know, you can go from the discomfort zone to the delusional zone quickly if you're not careful. For example, you could say that you want to take your business uh, and grow it 10 times in one year. Well, that's not just risky. That's probably in most cases, or maybe some exceptions. That's just crazy. You know, that could be um, a death blow to your business, that kind of scaling. Your vision should be challenging, but it shouldn't be reckless. And so I think there's there's an element of wisdom here that you need to apply as a leader. And, and I think if it doesn't engage your team, if instead they roll their eyes or they kind of shriek in terror, yeah, you know, that's not a good sign. No. Because you got to get buy-in. And, and I think risky is kind of like people saying, well, I'm not sure we could do that, but it'd be pretty cool if we could. Yeah. You know, that, that's what the response you want. Right. It, shouldn't, it should not seem to your team completely impossible. Otherwise, they're just going to go back to their desk and say, oh boy. It, well, the problem <laughs> is we that again. the delusional zone breeds cynicism, especially yes. if you've done that 
a few times and people have watched you fall short or watched you try to achieve it at their expense, it's not going to go well. So tread carefully. Okay. So let me give you an example from our own company. So for years, we were very involved in the digital space. We had digital courses. We had eBooks. Our whole business model was built on online selling. Then we got this crazy idea to create an analog product, the Full Focus Planner. And it came after we read a book called The Revenge of Analog. And we saw that, you know what? Paper is actually a better medium for getting focus, for retention. There were a lot of benefits of it. And so Joel, and who else was it? Was it? Mike Burns. Mike Burns. Mm -hmm. We're in a car ride and said, what if we created this paper tool that pulled together what we're teaching in our online course, Best Year Ever, and our online course, Free to Focus, and created an analog tool for our customers? Well, that was risky because we had no experience publishing a physical or creating a physical product. Now, it wasn't delusional because about three or four of our teammates had all worked in the publishing industry before. So we'd never done it here at Michael Hyde & Company, but we thought that's a legitimate risk, but it is a little bit risky. So we went out there and thankfully, all it did was work. It's been a huge, huge success. And it's become the driver, one driver, a major driver of growth in our business. It's the largest part of our business today. And it was because we were willing to take a risk. And sometimes you have to do that. You've got to be willing to uh, make it risky but not delusional. You know, it would have been delusional, however, if we had killed the entire rest of our business to intentionally make that the biggest part of our business. So we didn't do that. You know, we really did it as an experiment. We weren't sure how it was going to work. Um, certainly, we uh, started investing in it even more as it succeeded, and it has succeeded, you know, to levels that we did not anticipate at all at the beginning. Um, but we were smart about it, you know. So that's the difference between the discomfort zone and the delusional zone is just basically not being stupid. Well, everything comes down to vision. So the message today is that if your business isn't growing, it probably traces back to a problem with your vision. And you can solve that problem by knowing the three vision secrets. Talk about what isn't, not what is. Make it exponential, not incremental. And make it risky, not delusional. What's your final thought today, guys? Yeah, thanks, Larry. You know, here's the good news. Anybody can create a vision. This is not the province of, um, you know, the, the giants of companies. I mean, this is something that anybody can do. You just need the right template. And that is really what the Vision Driven Leader, Dad, your new book, does. It provides almost a paint-by-number process to help you create a vision for your company that's compelling enough to drive major exponential results in your business and get your team and your customers totally excited about achieving and experiencing with you. So I just want you to be encouraged. This is something you can do. It's worth the investment of your time. And it's really easy using the process of the vision script in the book, The Vision Driven Leader, which uh, you can pre-order now at your favorite retailer. You want to make sure to save your receipt, though, because we have some incredible bonuses that are available to you at leadto.win slash vision. So yeah, I was thinking as we were talking about this, you know, this really presupposes that you want growth. Not everybody wants growth. You know, if you do want growth, then vision is like the first and most important step you've got to take if you want to change where you are and create something different. But why is growth important? You know, something I'm committed to doing is not only growing personally, but growing our company. 
The reason for that is because it requires me to grow. You know, as the company changes, as we take on new frontiers, as we expand, that requires me to grow in my leadership. It also creates opportunity within my company for people to grow their leadership, for them to be able to move up, you know, sort of the corporate ladder. It enables them to provide for their families in ways that they can't right now. So growth is important for a variety of reasons. And if it's important to you, then vision is where it starts. And that's why I think this book is so important and so practical to get you started. Well, Megan and Michael, thank you. This is real wisdom here today about creating a vision. Thanks, Larry. Well, thanks, Larry. Thank you, Megan. And thanks to all you guys for joining us today. And we'll see you right here next week. Until then, lead to win.